You are listening to the Wannabe Collective, your new variety podcast featuring every fandom that you could possibly think of. On the Wannabe Collective, all wannabes are welcome. Welcome. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. You are listening to Keeping It Real. This show finally has a freaking name now, gentlemen. Shout out to Ryan Dalton for uh, giving us that suggestion. I loved that. Um, you know, that's keeping it real, not with an A, but two E's. Keeping it real is like, you know, because we were, I always used to say, like, whenever I'd be on other podcasts, we're like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to do that with the movie crew, but we never had like a real name. So here we are now for the first episode ever, Keeping It Real. Or maybe that was for the Bond last Bond episode. I don't remember. Either way. Tonight, I am joined by Caleb Henley, Ethan Maestri, and Ryan Dalton. All official wannabes at this point, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone is here, and uh, it does, feels... <laughs> does this mean I have tenure now? I think so. I, I do think awesome. that. Yeah, I think that. I'm yeah. Just trying to figure out what that gets me. Like, I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, uh, Caleb uh, mentioned me in a comment recently or a tweet, something about you know anytime a podcast guest, you know anytime this guy is asked to be on as a podcast guest, he always re- you know he's always like forcing like two to three hundred dollars, and I almost said I was like, yeah, but Caleb, you're not a guest, you're a host. So if I ain't making anything, you ain't making anything. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Um, that would be nice though. That would, that would be nice though. You know, maybe we could figure out some sort of some sort of uh, thing in the future. But anyways, as I'm I said just, before, I'm just thinking that's an awesome gig if you can get people to pay you to come on and talk about stuff that you like. I mean, and, yeah, that's kind of insane. And I mean, being so just like candid about it, and be like, yeah, you want me on your show? It's three hundred bucks. I'm like. $300, like, bro, like, holy crap. I mean, all yeah, right. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, maybe, I mean, who knows? Maybe in, like, 10 years, all of us will have the tenure we need to be able to demand that. Of course, <laughs> Ethan will probably be dead. Uh, <laughs> and Ryan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, gentlemen. Sorry, sorry. So Well, sorry. on the author side, I do charge for appearances, so I, I sympathize with anybody who, like, gets like shamed for charging for what they do for a living. <laughs> no, I, and you know what? I, if you can, if you can charge it, you should like 1000% you should. Um, <laughs> and I think whoever has your, you know, who, whoever is hosting you, if they're not willing to, to pay that, you know, for something as, prof- as a professional, whatever, you know, then they have to respect your no at the same time. So, so, so in context that that guy uh, that you're referring to, that was for a sports podcast, right? I believe yes, so. He was. was some sort of, uh, yeah, he had some he was, clout. He was, yeah, he was, he was a reporter, but I don't think he was like yeah. a significant reporter. The way, I mean, I listen to a lot of different sports podcasts, and that's why it kind of popped up on my feed. And yeah. the way it all works, they're a pretty tight-knit community, and they're always, regardless if you work for ESPN or The Athletic or CBS, NFL, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're always going on back and forth um, onto each other's podcasts, and they're always doing guest appearances. And I think it was just kind of out there that this guy kind of out of nowhere was asking for money. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was kind of just kind of different. <laughs> yeah, so so applying that to the Geek Culture podcast uh sphere yeah i don't think we're gonna we're gonna be charging for a while <laughs> yeah yeah well exactly and also it's I, I think of it it's like it's like the equivalent of that chick about a year or two ago getting on twitch saying like five dollars 
you you can't you have time to watch me all day, but you can't sub for five dollars. We don't want to be that. Come on, come on, guys. No, no, no. no. Be, do better. <laughs> Those voices you heard, obviously, I said before: Caleb Henley, Ethan Maestri, and Ryan Dalton. Gentlemen, it's good to be back. It's been a while since we podcasted. Last week we did uh, Quantum of Solace, and uh, we had Guy Mace back again. We also. Uh, Ethan, you were on for that one, right? It was just us three, right? It was yeah, me, you, I and was, Guy. I was the fanboy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I I enjoyed that movie. I thought it was fine. I, that was a, that was a fun discussion. Definitely missed Ryan and Caleb, but verbatim, uh, I called Ryan to ask him if he was going to show up for that one that day. And verbatim, he says, "I'm too selfish with my time, and I hate that movie so much that I'm not going to watch it again." <laughs> and I said, <laughs> "Fair enough." All right, it's better than better think, than paying better than paying three hundred dollars. You know what I, I mean? Think, uh, no would suffice. <laughs> I think it sounded more like me in tears, like please don't make yeah. me watch that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we, uh, yeah, and I think also verbatim, uh, stirring stirring the pot a little bit here. Ethan was upset that he couldn't fight with you last week, so yeah. he was he was legit yeah. he was legitimately bummed. I showed up. I was ready to spar. Yeah, was, me yeah. and me and guy were like, Ethan, why are you yelling? <laughs> <laughs> we like this. I one. was all riled yeah. up, and I had nowhere to. We all like, agree with you. Stop yeah, fighting. Yeah, <laughs> what, we're up, man. We all same same team. <laughs> yeah, no, good times though. Um, obviously tonight we're reviewing, as you can tell by the title, we are reviewing uh, Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. But before we get into that, we're going to do a little bit of a catch-up uh, between the four of us, what we've been up to, what we've been playing, what we've been reading, what we've been doing. Um, and then we're going to just just talk briefly about uh, – we, we have these – we've done this over on – you know, we did this on the Wanna Be Critic podcast. I've done it on Age of Geek. I think it's been best titled The State of Star Wars. Um, so right now, you know, I think we could all we, – we all might be feeling differently about it. Um, some of us might think it's in a good place. Maybe others – uh, meh, I don't know. So we'll, we'll 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 touch on that briefly as well. Uh, Caleb, I feel like I haven't talked to you in weeks. I think it has been weeks, actually. You called me earlier today. Well, I know I called you today, but outside of today, I don't think it's. I think it's been quite quite a while. You know, none of us exist outside of the show. Yeah, well, no, we don't have <laughs> lives. We're like Tom Brady. Like we don't get to leave our house or Sorry. do anything. Am I breaking the fourth wall? Am I not supposed to be doing that? I'm sorry. My no, bad. No, you're fine. You're fine. What's up, man? Dude, like not a whole lot. Um, I played golf today. That was uh, that was fun. That was when Gabe called me. Um, so that was that was great. Um, other than that, not a whole lot. Been going back and replaying a few old uh, video games that I've already completed. I've been playing the show a little bit more. Been playing a little bit more in it. Uh, Need for Speed Heat and just. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Just that's basically it. Don't you have the platinum for in, for heat already? Yeah, I just wanted to buy some more cars and trick them out, dude. I mean that that must speak to how good the game is. If you like Need for Speed, ladies and gentlemen, that that's probably high praise. Because once I platinum a game, I'm like, no, I'm done. <laughs> Unless it has like stellar DLC, it's like, no, this is everything the developer said you should do. So, you know, but I I, I still have that. Like on in my list of games I want to play, you know, in in some probably sometime this fall or winter I'll get a a, a hair up my butt to play an arcadey racing game, but that's cool. Yeah, have, have I mean, you? I can shooting? understand like no. Oh, sorry. No, I can definitely understand with Need for Speed. Like if you're a Forza person or a Gran Turismo person, it's definitely just kind of not probably on that same tier, but it is a fun arcadey fix and i i really like those games and yeah i enjoy it it's fun. yeah 
man, talk about that's one we should do for Game Club is Gran Turismo. Holy crap, that game looks so good. I'm super excited. Um, that's cool though. Have you been uh, shooting well in golf? Have you been? You, uh, you mentioned a couple weeks ago. Have you have you been getting to go like every week? I've been trying to go every week. Um, now that it's kind of the fall, it's probably going to be winding down. But yeah, I was going every week pretty good for a month or two. And yeah, trying to get to where I can consistently shoot below 100, which isn't like fantastic or anything. But I would just like to go, be able to go. And if I had to play with like a group of people that like I had never met before, like they wouldn't be waiting on me or I wouldn't feel embarrassed playing around them i just yeah that's kind of the thing i just want to be able to basically be able to play and not completely embarrass myself isn't that how isn't that like the game of golf in general like for any anyone who's not a professional isn't that how we all try and play like you know you can actually play the game because i feel like a freaking idiot every time i go to tee off I'm like swinging a miss i'm like happy gilmore you know just say mutter some swear words under your breath dang it <laughs> that's cool though you've been getting to go um that was fun whenever you visited a few months ago and we got to go a couple times. That was rad. So Yeah, it and it's cool and I think we talked about this a little bit when we were playing together a couple months ago. It's like it's it's a great game because you're not necessarily competing against someone else. I guess if you wanted to do that, you absolutely can. But for me it's a nice way of like you're competing against yourself and in a world that's already extremely competitive, it's nice not to have to feel like you're competing against another person. It's just like more of a challenge for yourself. So I appreciate yeah. that about it. Well said. Well said. Uh, good to hear from you, Caleb. Ethan, let's throw it over to you. What are you been up to, bro? Well, when I'm not sitting around my phone waiting for Gabe to call. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Um, He's no, all. It's kind of weird. <laughs> He's all. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to call today? No. No, uh, actually, I have been busy with, um, uh, of all things, I, I got back into watching Boston Legal. I don't know if you guys were familiar with that show. And it, I, I have, yeah, <laughs> Denny Crane, yeah. So I, I started watching that again, and I found myself uh, three days later sitting there watching, just binge watching episodes while playing SimCity 2000 on my PC. Uh, I went back into the archive and just because it's one of those games where I can turn the sound off and have the the show going on the other monitor. It doesn't take up too much, you know, uh, of my uh, computing power in my own head. And yeah, I, I've just been been watch, binge watching and playing SimCity uh, 2000 for the last couple of days. That's the most recent thing. The the other big thing I've been doing is trying to figure out how to take pictures through my telescope and got some pretty decent for me, first timer shots, uh, first light and was just ecstatic over the moon with what I came up with and then started playing with them in Lightroom and was able to bring out even more detail in them. And that got me really excited. So we're going on vacation next week and it's, it's going to be by the ocean and I'm looking forward to being in a semi dark area and, and setting up, you know, in the sand on a beach somewhere and trying to take some more photos and, See what I can come up with, and you know, it's that's the thing. I just keeping myself busy with things like that to uh, occupy my mind and my time. Please share whenever you get some good photos. What what part of Florida are y'all going to? Uh, we're going back down to the the Gulf area. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that we we yeah. go just just up up the road from there. We go to Pensacola Beach, yeah. so it's you know. The, the nice thing is my wife went down there with her sister last year and, and said, look, I saw stars that I don't see when we're at home. 
and because where we're going is not packed like you know panama city or, or areas like that so we're going to be out a ways from any of the major metropolitan areas and so we're hoping for for decent skies and yeah i'm, I'm gonna make the most of my time out there besides sitting on a beach <laughs> yeah yeah no that's that sounds amazing man yeah please please share your photos i saw one on twitter that you posted that was pretty that's pretty cool I was shocked actually about how how good you not not skill wise but just that the camera was able to capture as much as it did. That was pretty pretty sweet. So yeah, very nice. Sim City, huh? Okay, like as in the year two thousand. Uh yeah, it came out around the year two thousand. It was Sim City two, and they just called it uh, Sim City okay. two thousand gotcha, because gotcha, gotcha. it happened to coincide around that. Actually, uh, I think it came out before. Uh, yeah, it did come out way before two thousand. But that's just what they named it. Gotcha. Okay. Old school. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's cool. Yeah, please uh, please share your pictures, though. Ryan, your turn. Uh, what have you been up to, man? Uh, well, my uh, my biggest professional news is that um, this last adventure goes live for pre-orders on November 1st. And that's the day we're going to debut the book trailer and show the cover and all of that. And then pre-orders go live. So. Um, that's very exciting. That's uh, had uh, no idea from your Twitter handle that that was happening. <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm I'm so coy on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's nice because it's got it's got me excited now. So I'll be yeah. looking for it. I'll be pre-ordering yeah, it for sure. Oh, thank you. So. Uh, pre-orders are actually super critical, uh, especially these days, because they count as first week sales, and first week sales are are huge. Um, so um, I'll be working on um, just uh, hopefully some fun stuff to incentivize people to pre-order and um yeah that'll be uh that'll be cool um so um yeah that that's very exciting to know that we're sort of counting down to to that stuff and that uh it's on the horizon um on the game front um i know i've I've, i'm supposed to be finishing the and i will but the uh the alan wake expansion of control or um but i've been cheating on it with a couple of indie games (laughs) um the first of which was, um, I didn't fully fit my own. It was called 12 Minutes. Um, I was very intrigued by it. It was a top-down time loop mystery, essentially, where you try to uh, save yourself and your wife from this guy who comes to your door pretending, like, it, like claiming to be a cop. And uh, if you do things wrong, you both end up murdered. Um, and and you, so you, you there's... It's essentially you try different variables and different cause and effects things each loop. Um, and I was actually very impressed at the amount of variables you can leverage and unlock. Um, it got to the point where I was like, all right, I feel like I've had my fill of this. <laughs> uh, and it felt like there was a long way to go. And then I looked it up. And so I ended up looking up the there's like nine potential endings and none of them were wholly satisfying. So I was kind of glad I didn't spend all the time trying to find them. Um, but the first, you know, couple few hours was uh, um, actually fun. Just figuring out things you can do. Um, the other one that I'm I'm not done with um, that I am still really enjoying is called Super Liminal. Um, and it kind of the, the concept is you're sort of in a you're kind of stuck in a dream state, um, working through these puzzles. And the whole theme of it, say, this doesn't spoil anything. They kind of show you the sign as soon as it starts. Is perception is reality. So. It's almost portal-like puzzles, but you're not using portals. You're actually transforming objects and and rooms and other things by playing with your perception of them on the screen based on um, 
and kind of part of the game is to figure out like how to play the game. Um, and I've really been liking that it's trippy and um, uh, challenging, but in like a really accessible way. It's not like infuriating. Um, it's just just really fun. So I've been enjoying that. Uh, but I will get back to finishing I... the control expansion so we can podcast about. Yeah, it. no, okay. I, I'm I, yeah, I'm I'm very uh, I'm very early on control because I've been cheating on control with other games too. So you know, and I'm and I'm definitely gonna cheat on it with Alan Wake whenever that comes out in a couple more days. So you know, it's. <laughs> Just that date just keeps getting pushed back. It's fine. It'll happen. Uh, I'll look forward to to what you think about Alan Wake because you know I played the original version, of course. Right. I don't want to go back and play the the new version just because as great as the game was, it's so stressful. It is. It's a very stressful game. Yeah. So I'll probably I'll watch some YouTube videos. Like if you do a playthrough, I'll watch you doing that. I don't think my heart can handle playing through it again. Yeah. Um. But I'm very excited for it to have a resurgence. I am debating whether or not I want to do a let's play on it, but um. We'll we'll see what happens, but Ethan, I think Ethan was going to say something. Go for it. Well, I was just going to ask uh, that last game you were talking about. Compared to Portal, how difficult are the the rooms to figure out and, and advance through it? Um, I would say it's a similar level of fun and challenge. I would say the puzzles are simpler than the Portal puzzles are. Oh, okay. So um, I might like it then. Yeah, especially <laughs> when you kind of figure out, oh, Dude. this is the kind of. Yeah, when you, when you figure out, oh, this is the kind of thing I'm supposed to look for, yeah. um, then, you, yeah, you can kind of get an idea of what, okay, this is what the game is wanting me to do. Um, and that doesn't hold through through every puzzle, but... Um, and it's a much quiet... It's a very quiet game. It's a much quieter game than Portal. Um, yeah. And and the puzzles are... Yeah, it's... it's Some of the puzzles are how do I get through this thing or how to advance past that. Others are just playing with perspective in a really interesting way that kind of makes you think of things like level design differently. And um, it seems to me like somebody had fun making it. And um, okay. uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. I don't even know how far I am through the game. Maybe I'm almost at the end. Maybe I just started. I don't really have any concept of how many levels there are or what the end goal is. There is a little bit of dark humor, just a little bit like there is in Portal. Like sometimes they'll have these announcements that they could kind of pipe into your dream, um, that are that are kind of funny, um, in a similar kind of way. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really enjoying it. It's just something different, a real a real departure. The name name again? Because I'm going to write that down. Super liminal. It's on Game Pass. Okay. All ye yeah, Game it Pass. It's funny also, you mentioned Twelve Minutes is on Game Pass as well. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Twelve Minutes because I jumped. I was actually excited for that because it's uh, James McAvoy and Daisy Ridley. A voice well, the funny thing is the version you download on uh, there are multiple versions with multiple voice actors and the one on Game Pass does not have them. Seriously? That makes sense why it sounded different because I was like, I was the like, wow. Vo- yeah, the only original voice actor is um, uh, Willem Dafoe. Okay, gotcha. Well, and I, I dabbled in it and I was like, this is interesting until my first run through and this sucked me out of the entire thing. I was like, nope, don't want to do this. I was doing something, and it was like, oh, no, that didn't work last time. Assuming that I had already played, but I hadn't played yet. I hadn't even oh, gone through found, my, uh, I I found, a, a, like, a bug or, like, I, oh, I broke it or something. And it was like, oh, no, I can't. It was like, it was like he's like, oh, I can't keep doing this or something like that. And, um, but I was like, what are you talking about, dude? Like, we just started, you know? So I, I haven't, I haven't, you know, I've heard very mixed reviews about that game um 
somebody said like who let M Night Shyamalan make a game? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think that the concept was really interesting. Some of the things that they did with how you can play with the cause and effect, um, I, I thought was very clever. But I think they got too meta and too in their heads and went too just went too crazy with the like some of the potential endings and you don't even really know which one's the real one if at all and then some people are theorizing well maybe none of this is real at all maybe it's just in the guy's head and he's crazy this is so so the fact that there's not like it's not clear and even if it was clear none of the endings seem to be like that great I, I was not sorry that I stopped when I did yeah well I mean I think like you can like kill your wife immediately if you want to like it can give you the choice like you can pick up a knife if you want to kill your wife you can you know, yeah, I, was I mean, like, the time loop will restart. Yeah, I was but, like, that's um, <laughs> that's weird. Okay, yeah, no thanks, no, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, Superliminal, I've, I've been seeing that all over the place, and it does look interesting. So maybe I'll mm -hmm. maybe I'll try that at some point. I love Game Pass, I really do. Um, it's a shame Xbox. Yeah, it's a shame Xbox can't put any of their own games on on Game Pass though, because um, they don't have any yet. But that's okay. I, it's it's a good value. <laughs> Just kidding. I yeah, can't. I can't go. I might... <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I, no, I just I, I might not have spent the money money on either one of those if I had to buy them and try them out. But the fact that they're smaller indie games that I, I could yeah. try for what I'm already paying. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, and I, I have to say I told you so. I told you. I told you Avengers was going to come to Game Pass. I knew it was going to happen. Because it's a Game Pass game and yeah. you know, it is. Maybe they maybe they'll maybe they'll make a bunch more money. God, I wanted that game to be so good. And it's just it's just not. This is the it's the last ditch attempt to save it, I think. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. And I, I don't I, I'm starting to see more and more we may not be getting the Spider Man content like you predicted. So maybe you'll be gloating and saying you told us so. So there you have it. Did I predict that? Oh, okay. You did. You did. If like uh probably four or five months ago you were like, Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. I'm like, Whatever, dude <laughs> <laughs> So moving on, um yeah, I, Game Pass continues to be a stellar deal um i use that as a uh you know kind of like there's there's a game that came on it today called scarlet nexus um was something i was super interested in it's a square enix game but it's like real-time combat and it's super sci-fi looking it looks awesome but i just couldn't pull the trigger on it because i had so many big games to play so if i end up really liking it on game pass i'll buy it on playstation next time it goes on sale um you know that's what i use game pass for is like my rental service <laughs> um but uh, nothing was too crazy. Nothing's been too crazy for me over here. Been um, editing a lot of videos, playing a lot of games, playing a lot of Breath of the Wild. Uh, I jumped into New World, the new MMO um, from Amazon. Uh, made a couple videos on that. Super, super cool game. I'm really interested in it so far. Um, I got to try out Halo Infinite. Uh, the newest flight came out. It was pretty rad. Um, there's another one coming out this weekend. And uh, I think this is the most Halo feeling thing that 343 has put out so far. So I'd be anxious to hear what the listeners have, what the, what the listeners think of what they've seen as well as what they might have played. So ladies and gentlemen, definitely write in with your thoughts over at uh, the wannabe collective at gmail.com. We'd appreciate it. Um, I bought Death Stranding again on PlayStation, and that's just sucked me right back into it again. I, I love that game so much. Last night, I got started. I was, like, right in the thick of it. And there's a point where whenever you get, like, your first vehicle, 
So I was like, oh, great. I'll just, I'll just do it. I looked at the clock. It was like 11 o'clock. I was like, oh, I'll just do a few deliveries. Next thing I know, I look at the clock and man, I'm kind of tired. It's like 3.45 in the morning. I'm like, all right, this is going to be it. So I, I see this is going to be a problem again. So, you know, there you have it. Um, not much else though for me. I'm, I'm, it's been pretty, pretty tame. So I think we could shift the conversation a little bit now towards our, uh, a little bit of a Star Wars primer. Obviously, we all kind of feel differently about Star Wars. I think everyone kind of, you know, everyone kind of has their own spin on on what Star Wars does for them. But Caleb mentioned off mic visions. He had watched a couple episodes. I have not seen any of it. I've just seen clips. Uh, obviously, I think the Bad Batch wrapped up. Is that right, Caleb? Yep. Okay, so it's finished. How many episodes were there? I feel like it went. It feels like it went on forever. I think there were like fifteen. Fifteen maybe. episodes. Okay, cool. Well, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll have to pick a day and binge it all. Um. So yeah, Star Don't Wars. Don't do that because then you're gonna hate it. I'll hate it if I binge it. Oh, because yeah, because uh, yeah, he's 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 uh, he's making jokes. We watched, about we the watched Clone Wars. all of the Clone Wars and Rebels <laughs> together. I know you, Gabe. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe whenever it becomes my idea and I'm actually excited to watch it, I'll enjoy it. Um, but no, it'll be it'll be no time constraints. You know, I'll just be able to be like, oh yeah, I'll watch that now. I don't have to talk about it anytime soon. So. Um, but yeah, obviously we have some new property out, you know, with, uh, Knights of the Old Republic getting announced, the remake getting announced. There's, there's no doubt going to be some more interest for Star Wars coming out. There's a new game coming out called Hunters for mobile and Switch that I'm super duper excited about. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what is the pulse though on Star Wars right now for, for us? Uh, Caleb, I, I want you to kind of take the, you know, go first. On, on how, how you're feeling, how you feeling about visions and how you feel about Star Wars in general. Yeah. So I'll start with visions. Um, I just, I've only watched like five of the episodes so far. I think there's nine of them. Um, and I'm not a huge anime fan. In fact, I like never watch anime, but I really do appreciate these. They're super artistic. They're not necessarily canon. They're, you know, almost more legendsy and kind of like take different spins on things. And I think it's cool that they just let these different anime studios that basically just run with these different Star Wars ideas and create some really cool and just different stuff. And some are better than others. Um, but I think there's something there for just about everyone. And if you're willing, maybe if you're like me and you're not a huge anime fan, if you're willing to just give it a shot as a Star Wars fan, you're probably going to enjoy it. Um, moving on to just kind of, uh, where I think Star Wars is and whether it's good or not, I'm overall pretty pleased with things. I know, I think a lot of people have a lot of opinions, um, negative opinions based solely on the movies, um, whether, you know, that's the sequel, uh, the sequel trilogy, or maybe you didn't like Solo or Rogue One or whatever. Um, and I think there's a lot of negativity that comes from, from that. And I can understand that. I mean, I think specifically the sequel trilogy has a lot of faults and we're eventually going to get into that. But I think that there's a lot of good there. And I think the reason that I think it's good right now where it is is because it's almost where it's back to pre the Disney like buyout because there's just so much content coming out. And I know that that can make things messy, especially if you're really dedicated to the whole canon thing and the timeline and everything. But we have to remember before, you know, there was 
technically a canon in a, in a Legends before Disney bought everything, things were super messy. Like, there's comics about everything. There's games about everything. Everything kind of ran over itself. And now I think a lot of people kind of get bogged down in feeling <clears throat> about all the stuff coming out as being, like, unorganized and, you know, just sloppy when things were so much sloppier before Disney bought everything. Um, so I don't really see that as a super valid argument. It's just kind of like being petty to be petty. That's my opinion. And overall, I appreciate it because like before Disney purchased everything, there's stuff that's coming out and there's a little bit of something for everyone. And like I've said before, you can pick and choose which content you want to enjoy and not necessarily have to be invested in every single little piece of content. Um, whether you want to go through and read some of the High Republic books or all of them, or whether you want to play one video game or another or whatever, um, there's something there for everyone and you can pick and choose what you want. I know for me, I consume a lot of Star Wars content and I have absolutely no desire at all to read any of the comics. And I'm sure that there's some Star Wars fans that think that that's sacrilegious, but I just do not have a desire for that. And I think it's fine because I still understand most of everything that's going on. But if that's something that you're really into, that's fantastic, and it's amazing that you have that option. So overall, I think that where Star Wars is is pretty positive. I think it's looking good going forward with all the TV shows being a really high quality. And I think there's some good people behind the scenes, especially like Dave Filoni. And you have to believe that George Lucas still has his hands on a lot of things as well. And I don't think that it's in as bad of a place as I think a lot of people would make you believe eloquent that was nice i appreciated that uh ethan anything you want to add to that or you know go for it yeah no and and i believe it or not i agree with you caleb uh i'm not sitting here thinking or wishing star wars would fail and i think that's where maybe some of the darkest areas of the internet probably are (laughs) you know they're they're waiting for disney to run it into the ground and they want to see it crash and burn because that's just what you know What's the phrase that we all love? Uh, some people just want to watch the world burn. And I'm sure there are f- Star Wars fans out there that are like that. I'm not one of them. I have my beef with the sequel trilogy because of specific things that were done in those movies that just do not feel like they ring true with previous Star Wars. And I'm not talking about Legends. I'm talking about the, the previous movies. That's a whole other discussion. As far as where Star Wars is right now, yeah, I- I'm in agree agreement with you there's a lot of variety out there and it it took them a little while to figure out how to roll it out best and i think we're now moving into that phase where it's not just a we own star wars here you go it's all coming Mm -hmm. at you open your mouth we're gonna turn the flood the hose on the fire hose on and now that i feel like they've stepped back from that now we're getting a more measured okay what are fans really wanting what makes sense? And now we're starting to see that rolled out. And we got our first hint of it with The Mandalorian, and that's been a huge success. And now we're looking forward to twenty, the end of 2023 when the third season's going to come out. Book of Boba Fett is coming. I'm excited about that. I'm going to be re-upping my Disney Plus subscription here shortly in the next month or two because I'm going to catch up on Bad Batch and you know some of the other content that's come out just to, just to catch up. But it's been nice in the last few months to have a breather and I don't feel as concerned about, you know, star Wars as I did say two, three years ago when it felt like it was 
just churning out content and it was churning out at such a pace that it's going to run itself off the rails. And now it feel, it does feel like we've had a breather and now, now I'm that moderate excitement for what's coming down the pike, you know, games, uh, Disney plus content shows. There are several shows that, you know, I, I'm probably going to watch. Um, yeah, it, it, it's in a good place. It's not, uh, it's not about to go supernova though. And that's, that's the nice thing about it. Nice. Ryan, anything you want to add to that? Um, yeah, it's in kind of an interesting spot right now. Um, I think we'll know a lot more in November. That's when they're supposed to make a lot of announcements about the next few years worth of things that are coming out. Um, so I think a lot of the future of star Wars is going to depend on, on that, uh, on, you know, what they say they have coming where the balance of power is shifting in the in the creative voices uh, in Disney and Lucasfilm. Uh, I think the more power that can shift away from Kathleen Kennedy, the better. Uh, I was wondering how long we would get into this conversation before her name got brought up. <laughs> well, she's a valid name. She's the one who... Uh, she's you know, the president. <laughs> you know, she's the one who's responsible for a lot of things that happen, whether you're a fan of them or whether you're not a fan of them. Yeah. Um, I personally am not a fan of those those movies. I want Star Wars to be awesome. Like most things, I want things to be great. I want to enjoy them. I just want good stories well told. And to me, they were not good stories and they were not well told. Uh, The Mandalorian's great. Um, I look forward to seeing how they build off of that. If some of the rumors I've heard are true, who knows whether they're true. Um, Then they could be doing a lot of really interesting things with the next seasons of that and some other spinoffs from that. And And I'm yeah, I'll be excited to see uh, what they do with that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, there's other rumors that say that Filoni and Favreau and uh, and some others have definitely a stronger hand on the wheel as far as the movies now creatively. We'll see if, you know, that turns out to be true. Um, if so, I think it's a good thing. I think they've shown with The Mandalorian that they understand, they truly understand and respect what makes Star Wars work when it really works well. Um, I don't have any interest in The Acolyte, given who's got creative control over it. Um, I have concerns about the Knights of the Old Republic because it's not a remaster, it's a remake. And if you look at some of the writing team on that are in the writing team on that, they're the same that were on the this Spider-Man game, which I think was dismally written. As much as I love the action, the, the, the writing I think was very subpar. So I don't have a lot of hope for that. Um, I think a lot of the legacy of what the ne- next few years worth of Star Wars is going to be is going to rest on yeah, just, just who has creative power and control. Um, and, you know, th- yeah, there's, of course, the darkest parts of the Internet that, yeah, just want to see things suck because it away better. Yeah, there wanna are. Want to see the world burn, mashed away. <laughs> yeah, there are also some people that I think that I think in a way kind of spitefully want to see it fail because as soon as they started voicing criticisms of, of story and and execution with these movies they basically were told oh you just don't like it because you're sexist and racist and any any kind of actual discussion was drowned out just by them being insulted for not liking what the zeitgeist was saying that they should like so i don't blame them for being angry uh, because they were told that they're terrible people and value judgments were being made against them simply because they were trying to you know the better of them the ones who weren't sexist and racist were trying to talk about okay let's talk about what was subpar and what could be better going forward, but they were shouted down by people who just wanted to say that they were racists and and didn't like it because a woman was in the lead, um, which I was resentful of because there's a lot of things that I could criticize in there and I couldn't care less who the lead was. Um, 
So I think some longtime fan frustration out there is warranted because that um, that disposition came right down from the top uh, and was encouraged by the powers that were running Lucasfilm. Um, and I, I, I think that that is a very classless way uh, to, to do your business. Um, so, yeah, let's just hope that the balance of creative power shifts to people who truly like and appreciate Star Wars and want to do it right. Well said. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say a couple of things. Um, just piggybacking off of Ryan's comments. I think, and kind of Ethan noted it too, when they first acquired Star Wars, it's like you get handed this amazing thing and you don't know what to do with it. And it's taken them close to a decade now, I think, to figure out how to handle it. <laughs> um, and you can tell just by the way that things came out initially and, you know, just in the quality of those first movies and everything that, you know, something was off and they're still figuring it out. And I think that is kind of fair. The thing is with Star Wars is it triggers such an emotional response with so many people because it, you know, has such a like vaulted place in their childhood that there's like very little forgiveness. So if you're kind of experimenting with something and you mess it up, there's very little yeah room for forgiveness and that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of what's triggered so many people and because they messed up, they've made mistakes. And while I don't think that those movies are absolutely garbage, I think that there's definitely areas where they could be majorly and pretty clearly improved. Um, but another thing about anything that's as big as Star Wars um, and that puts out as much content as Star Wars and puts out as much content as Star Wars always has basically since the 80s, there's going to be it's good, there's going to be it's great, and there's going to be absolute garbage. And the quality is going to vary based on just how big it is and how much content's going out. And that's true of anything in life. If there's that much content or that much being produced, there's going to be great, there's going to be good, and there's going to be bad. And it's just how stuff works. And there's going to be stuff that some people like and stuff that some people hate, but that's normal. Like that's not just because it's Star Wars doesn't mean that everything has to be perfect. And I think that's what's good about it is that there are kids that are growing up with the sequel movies that enjoy them and more power to them for having something that they enjoy. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's probably, you know, there's plenty of people that are going to think that the High Republic is ridiculous and, you know, you know, craps all over the Old Republic and all this stuff. And that's fine, too. You can have that opinion. But what I'm saying is there's going to be content that's out there for everybody. And that's a good thing. If you limit yourself and you streamline it so much and you're so focused on just getting every single little thing perfect perfect it's going to end up hurting the entire product in the long run and i think it's good that they're putting out as much content as it is and overall especially after the sequels have ended in the last couple of years that content has been pretty high quality well said this is great discussion this is a good podcasting gentlemen something that's been lacking here no <laughs> just kidding uh i I, I kind of agree with the way everyone feels. Uh, Y'all know how I feel about the, the sequels. Um, I think it was fun to fight about them when they were first coming out. Um, but I enjoyed them from the aspect that they got me excited for the future. And <clears throat> I don't know. Like it was – it's it's a it's an interesting feeling to put on. I think me and Elijah uh, – 
Middlesworth, one of beer bros, one of the beer bros from the east side, um, put it best where it was like, yeah, but it's Star Wars. Like it, you know, that there was a, there was an excitement that you don't get from anything else. And I think there was a part of me that was just kind of like, well, it's not going to be as good as what I grew up with. So I'm not going to really put, you know, I'm not really going to put too much thought into what I'm watching, you know, it's just, it was just kind of mindless in a way. Whereas, you know, you watch a movie like empire and it's a completely different story where it's like, this is classic. Like this is, this is the good stuff. This is what I grew up on. I don't go back and watch the sequel movies ever. Like the only time, I mean, I think, I think the last time I went to go back and watch them, um, was for review. I think the first time we did this. So I, I do think that's pretty much all that's needs to do. That needs to be said, at least for the sequels from me is, I'm excited to go back to them to, to talk about them again and just, you know, because I, I think it's a very interesting piece of history at this point to talk about. And it's interesting to see the the varied responses that those movies um, elicit out of people. Um, it's it is interesting, though, in hearing like Caleb and hearing your perspective, it because you're you're you've come up in a time where. Uh, how many water cooler television shows have you watched and talked about with all your friends? I mean, not a whole lot. Like just, okay. we could talk about like the office or something like that, but like, <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, there, so, there's, there's, yeah, I don't know. So let me ask Ryan, how many water cooler shows do you remember hearing about or talking about in your years of, of entertainment? Oh yeah. I mean, there was, there's so much content now that it's, there's a lot more fragmentation. There are very sure. few things that everybody's watching. Um, yeah. Just because yeah. there's so much choice. There are a few uh, that, you know, become a part of cultural discussion whenever new episodes comes out. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, because there's, there's so much out there. And that's the thing. Common. Yeah. So, so I'm familiar with a time where everyone watched MASH. Everybody knew what was going on on MASH. Everybody knew who shot JR or wanted to know who <laughs> shot JR. That's what people talked about because that was what was on one of the three channels that you had at the time. And so it's really, that's where Star Wars was. It came out in 77 and throughout the 80s. Do you like Star Wars? Yes. You're a friend. We're gonna play with the same toys. We're gonna we're we're gonna play the same stories. We're gonna we're gonna you know it, it's a shared universe, and it was like that in the '90s as well. If you found somebody that was reading the books, you had somebody to talk with, and you had something that you could be passionate about. And anyone that you knew read that read any of those books, you sh- you had a common experience that you had to discuss. And now. You know, people ask, have, have you seen Bad Batch? I haven't. Am I going to? Yeah, I'm going to get to it at some point. But I'd, I'm not in the loop. You know, it's not a shared experience anymore. And it's becoming more and more and more like that, where you're you're going to have your tribe within the genre. You know, your and sect. It's, you're going to have yeah, a sect. You know, yeah, yeah and, and it's, it's interesting and a little bit frightening on my end to see that because now it's and, and you there are going to be a, the majority of those people that are going to say, yeah, I'm a Star Wars fan. You're a Star Wars fan. You like this thing over here. I like this thing over here. But we're still Star Wars fans. Yeah. yeah. OK, so you can put a title on us, but that's about it. But you can still fight about it, too. And I think you're kind of getting at what I was going to say, too, was I do miss a time where there was a feeling of unity because 
I enjoy the I enjoy the sequel trilogies and see their flaws, but I do call myself a Star Wars fan, you know. And there's other Star Wars fans that would be like, you know, oh well, he, you know, do you say then like, oh well, you're not a Star Wars fan? I don't think so. I don't think that's right. Um, yeah. And no, so I, I totally agree with your th- what you're. Uh, I, I totally agree with what everyone is saying, and I liked how Caleb put it. It's like it's totally okay that there's so much content out there for everybody. And, you know, that because there's so much more interest now, you know, we've grown up in the age of the Internet. It's way different than it used to be. And I do think we are getting to a time to where and I mean, you're you're talking about a time where people may not watch the movies, but might play the old Republic or might only read the comics like they may not watch any of the content that comes out. They're just reading stuff. So I I do think we are getting to a better time for Star Wars where it's like, yeah, it's great that there's something out there for everybody. And, there, you know, we all acknowledge what the rules are right now, I guess, you know, because, oh, hey, did you hear about this thing that came out in this comic or this book about the force or whatever? You know, we can find those those middle ground moments, but it is kind of like a shotgun in a way because you may not catch all of it <laughs> and it, in a way, that's sad, but it's exciting. It, it, like Ethan, I think Ethan said, like, "Oh yeah, like that's that's kind of scary." I, I I haven't watched the Bad Batch, and I consider myself to be in the loop. You know, I'm I live on Twitter, so I I don't know. Like, I think I think there there definitely is room for all of it, but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this the way it used to be, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't I don't think it has to be that way anymore. Go ahead, Caleb. Yeah, and. I mean, I th- I just find his water cooler thing, you know, interesting because there definitely, I think, still are shows that are like that. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of the shows that are like that nowadays are not shows that I'm going to find myself watching because things have gotten crazier. But anyways, we live in a time, though, where it's easier than ever to connect with people through the Internet who share a common interest in us with us and who it's easier than ever to find a community. If, if you're someone who just wants to talk about the original trilogy, you can easily find that. And if you're somebody who's a bad batch diehard, you could find that too. It's, I mean, there's just so much, (laughs) so many ways that you can find that water cooler. And you talk about a physical water cooler of like, you're going up and you're talking to what a couple of guys in the office or wherever you work. And now you can be talking to, you know, a hundred people online so, yeah, while it's true that it might not be like every like we all come into this, the four of us and not every single one of us has consumed every single Star Wars thing, because that would be absolutely ridiculous. Um, that's fine, because if we wanted to, we could go and find people that had and that we would want to relate to. And if I wanted to find somebody that I really wanted to talk about the Bad Batch with, I could. And I don't know. So while it's true, there isn't like a water cooler um, you know, Star Wars thing, although everyone was talking about the Rise of Skywalker when it came out. Like, or Mandalorian. Still, yeah. Or Mandalorian. There still is. It's just, yeah, I don't know. For, I'm, for, not every yeah. single little thing in Star Wars is going to be like that. Right. Not I, every single person at the water cooler was sitting there talking about, um, you know, the Thrawn trilogy when it came out in the 90s. I mean, it's just, that's just how it works. Yeah, and I think now more than ever, it's like you can build your own lemonade stand, and it's like, hey, come, 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 talk with us, you know, like come do it. And it, it's it's it, like you were saying, it's it's more easy, it's easier now than ever. It's like if you want to find somewhere to talk about the thing that you're passionate about, 
Like you don't have in a way it's kind of less exciting because you don't happen to come across someone and you're not you don't have to be guarded like you're almost seeking it like back in the day, you know, with no Internet and stuff like that. You come across someone who says they're a Star Wars fan. It's like, hmm. So uh, you read such and such and it's like, yeah, those walls are immediately broken down. Whereas now, you know, I can go join a Star Wars Facebook group with 20,000 people in it specifically for the Bad Batch. I know that people are there for the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch. And you can bring up specific, like, they've they've streamlined it in a super interesting way. And it is the it is a, the one of the biggest double-edged swords in entertainment, Star Wars is. Because with a love of this huge property comes some of the most, like, awesome conversations and, like, really cool connecting points. But also comes with some of the most righteous toxicity you know, I've ever seen in a fan base ever, ever about anything. And it's, it's, it's nice to be able to, to get together and have these discussions, you know, kind of like checking up every year. It's like, Hey, how are we feeling about star Wars right now? You know, it's, it's almost like this, (laughs) it's almost like this ongoing MMO that we just kind of dip our toes into every once in a while throughout the year. You know, it's like, yeah, what's, you know, what, what's changed? What, what's, uh, What's going on over here? I haven't really spent much time over here. You know, how's how how is it being received? Things like that. But I think one thing we can all agree on is that Empire Strikes Back is the greatest movie ever made. So unless you guys have any final comments about the state of Star Wars, I say I move on to that. I enjoyed that. That actually went way better. That took up the bulk of our discussion, which is great because, you know, we're only going to be able to we're only going to talk about Empire for <laughs> 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes. <laughs> Caleb, what do you think? It's good. Ethan, great. Yep. Yep. Ryan, great. Good night, everybody. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Empire Strikes Back. Um, I, just reading some metrics here on Google. Came out in 1980 on the dot. Uh, it has an 8.7 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. has an 82% on Metacritic. Metacritic. Um, says the adventure, not that we use those in any, you know, as a compass in any way. That's just what the internet says about these, about this movie. Um, how much money do you guys think this made in the box office? Were you adjusting for inflation or, uh, <laughs> I mean, it just says box office. It says <laughs> box office in, in here. I would say 250 million. Okay. Ethan. I don't know. I, yeah, I really no don't know. It says 538 to $549 million made in the box Jeez, office. Jeez, that's a lot for 1980. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. It's a lot of money. Uh, it says the adventure continues in the Star Wars sequel. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Chewbacca face attack by the Imperial forces and its AT-AT walkers on the ice planet Hoth. While Han and Leia escape in the Millennium Falcon, Luke travels to Dagobah in search of Yoda. Only with the Jedi Master's help will Luke survive when the dark side of the Force beckons him into the ultimate duel with Darth Vader. Um, yeah, I, I think it's completely ridiculous that 8.7 on IMDb. Come on. This movie's a 10 out of 10. I don't think it deserves anything less than that. I, I, this is my favorite movie of all time. I, like, I think, I think that is arguable. I'll, I'll play devil's advocate here. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. I, no, I will I, because I mean, I, I have I have lived in a household with a wife that 
refuses to watch the movie now because she absolutely cannot stand Han Solo. Han Solo's response to Princess Leia when she when he's going into Carbonite. You know, she says, I love you. He says, I know. She gets so angry <laughs> at that scene. And I bet you there's a large contingent of the female population, at the very least, that probably hates this movie because of that. It's not no, a dis- no other response would have been true to his character. Exactly. It's not a true. Yeah. It is not a it's not a dig at her being a woman, it's a dig at him being a douche. That's the point. Yeah, it's, he can't, it's 1980. He, he's a rogue. He's, he's a they probably rogue. all he's hate too, James Bond, too. Yeah, like. I mean, it's like you want to... <laughs> yeah, I mean, and here's the deal. So, would you? Would we say that The Dark Knight's a 10 out of 10? Yeah, um, I would. No. It's a great movie. I can't. What it is in a, the world? It is a great movie. I cannot with... Two-Face is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like, does not belong in that movie. Who it's doesn't? Like, Two-Face. Like, Two-Face is... Not for me. And How am I maybe the one that enjoys the Dark Knight the most on this podcast? What in the I world love is the happening? I love the Dark Knight. I, I love it, but there's a, a handful of movies ever that I would rate as a ten. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think a ten out of ten has to be. I, obviously, it's different for everybody. To me, I just this movie, the way it moves, the way it's shot, the performances are weirdly good for a science fiction movie. The imagery, like the symbolism, like everything is just really well done, in my opinion, here. The storytelling is really tight, and there are so many subtle little things that show how much thought was put into small world details and small pieces of subtle character development. It was very, very carefully crafted. You could tell I could I could appreciate that more now, uh, watching it at the state that I'm in now, just you know, having become been an experienced writer now. I hadn't just like a new hope. I hadn't seen this one in years either and, and being able to see it now through, through the lens of uh, my own experiences. Uh, I was, I was, I mean, impressed all over again and how well put together this movie was. There were very few things I could even, I mean, of course, a little nit- nitpick here and there, of course. Um, but it, it would say a surprisingly tight. movie. Sure. And I think 10 out of 10 doesn't say like, okay, for me, Harvey Dent is cool, but making him two face and like that goes be that goes beyond like nitpicking, <laughs> you know. And there are nitpicks about this movie for sure. Like as cool as Boba Fett is, eh, eh, eh I mean he's fine. Like you could have had any bounty hunter, you know. Yeah, he he became kind of legend later yeah. on because of extent yeah. extended universe stuff. This movie doesn't really do no. That and if you put yourself back, it's like oh, he's kind of he's kind of cool. And then he dies the next time we see him. It's like what what the heck? I mean, you Bo- know, Boba Fett Inclosed single-handedly dies. saved the Christmas special. I mean, you got you got more play out of him in the Christmas special than you did in Empire Strikes Back. I completely but, forgot I mean. about that. Yeah, no, I, I, but there are so many little details in this that that I really love. Um, actually, wrote a few of them down. The direction is by far I, the best out of the trilogy here. I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll interject this because we're touching on it. Um, it was smart for Lucas to have other voices besides just his own, which he was going it alone with New Hope. And, and, it, and it shows because the movie that got shot at his direction after he had written it needed a lot of help, needed a lot of work. And thankfully, uh, I was listening to a podcast recently that really did a a strong shout out to Marsha Lucas, who was his editor. She, she is, saved that movie. She, every bit as much as Lucas is the reason we have stories at all. now. Exactly. And then for this movie, 
her voice got stronger because of what she had done for what we now know as a new hope. And her voice shines through strongly and really shows just what a genius she was in looking at George Lucas's vision and then cutting it together so that it made even more sense than that first movie did. And that's why I feel like this movie is the classic and kind of the cornerstone of Star Wars. Because if you didn't have this movie, and if you didn't have the voices like Marshall Lucas or like Lawrence Kasdan that were in there with Lucas, you know, grinding this thing out, uh, yeah, the Star Wars franchise would be uh, another sci-fi, uh, a moderately successful sci-fi series. It wouldn't and, be it, it wouldn't be forgotten, but it wouldn't be iconic. I don't think. I don't think it would it, have. It it wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't have the. I mean, people that don't know Star Wars know. I'm your father. I mean, yeah. it's that's that comes from this movie. And yeah, you can't say enough good things about Empire Strikes Back and the people that put it together for what they did to pop culture and to sci-fi nerds and geeks like ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think her approach, she, Lucas is great at world building, but he's a robot. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he has a lot of human emotion. Watch anymore. the prequels. Uh, Anyone I'm who's mad about sure that, just about watch that. the prequels. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Oh, this but, is my saga. Yeah. <laughs> so all of the stuff, like especially in the finale of the original, that made it like gripping and interesting to watch, that was all her. Because apparently the way he cut, even like the, the trench run and everything, that whole assault on the Death Star was more like, they said it uh, felt like a, a documentary. Extremely cold and matter of fact. She was the one who, who cut together all those scenes to look like that, that really gripping chase. She was the one who even had the concept after they had shot the whole movie of that ticking time bomb, making it to where the Death Star had found the rebel base. That was nowhere in the script. She cobbled that together based on already shot material. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the woman was a wizard. Yeah. Uh, Lucas at, at was making, able... Lucas was making a world war two documentary. Yeah. Or, or uh, a shot I mean... for shot stock footage film. <laughs> Even little things like uh, in Return of the Jedi, when Emperor gets tossed down that shaft, she was the one that said, no, there should be this huge release of power. And, and that, that whole wave of energy that came up, that was all her. It was nothing but him like falling off a cliff until she came along and said, that is not nearly enough <laughs> for that guy dying. Um, so, yeah, you can definitely see her fingerprints in this and Irving Kirshner's. It's like people feel like living, breathing people in this movie more, more so than, than the original. And I loved the original. Um it's relatable. And, it's the most relatable Star Wars movie, period. And this the scenes are built up with emotion and tension, and it's allowed to be full of feeling. Um, and uh, it, it's, yeah, it, I, I was just sitting back kind of marveling at certain scenes. Like, I, I, I know practically every line of dialogue in that movie from having watched it as a kid, but still, um, you know, like the scene when they're about to freeze Han is just so uh, incredibly tense. Chewbacca's and... all pain. <laughs> yeah and when you know when luke arrives in that scene and how i mean just the set design and the lighting and the sound is just so incredibly beautifully ominous and uh i mean this this movie is such a work of art um even in just the little things that you see that hint on character growth like like with han running out to to save luke on hoth this is a very different han than than, than we got to know in a new hope and he's gone from that kind of guy to someone who would without thought of his own safety run out in in a deadly cold pick up a lightsaber and use it something that he laughed at before uh and you know put himself on the line to to save a friend that kind of han did, did not exist in the in the first movie and i love 
seeing without them having to put like a fine point on it or or hit you over the head with it they just let you see yeah he's growing as a person and there's a hundred little examples like that of a lot of care being shown with building the world and building the characters very naturally love that um favorite moments obviously we could go in and you know we're not going to talk about if this is a good movie or not we all know it is is there anyone that doesn't think that this is a 10 out of 10 first of all oh oh it's a 10 out of 10 for me it's a 10 unanimous ladies and gentlemen if you think that this is not a 10 out of 10 i'm gonna need you to go ahead and email me right now the wannabe collective at gmail.com that's all i have to say uh you raised your hand. We're we're banning the hand raising. Step on each other's toes. Okay. We're 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 getting rid of that. Just step on them. I have a scene. Yeah, go for it. My my favorite scene, and it's uh, it's just a moment. But it's my favorite thing in the whole movie. Oh man, Han Solo is such a friggin' boss. Like, okay, so a door opens, and suddenly the boogeyman of the galaxy is standing there waiting. And what does this normal dude do? Does he run and hide? No. He pulls out his blaster and he starts shooting at him. That guy is a boss. <laughs> That's, oh man, what a cool scene and what a cool dude. Yeah. No, that... I think we could say the guy has balls. I mean, that's that's probably what Darth. You have to wonder what Darth Vader was thinking. Darth Vader's probably like, oh, "You gonna shoot at me?" I'm like, dude, I'm a wizard. Come on, man. You know, <laughs> I and I, I like in that moment too. And Chewie, immediately on the defensive, you know, Chewie's all, "Yeah," you know, he's he's they're ready to go to war. Like it, it gives you that feeling of these guys have seen more than we realize and they're ready to like they're ready to go toe-to-toe with anything it doesn't matter if they're a jet if it's a jedi or you know a, anything doesn't matter so yeah no I, I i love that scene too ryan for sure um caleb what's your favorite scene what, what's your favorite moment in this movie you think um there's a lot of really really good ones um i won't mention any of them because uh I'm sure you guys are probably going to take one or two of them that I'm going to leave on the cutting room floor. Uh, I love the uh, lightsaber fight between Vader and Luke, and mainly just because there's so much there. Of You, you get to learn a little bit more about Vader. Um, and I love how in the beginning he's one-handed dueling Luke. Um, like He's just kind of toying with him and playing with him and trying to get him into the carbonite. And then, you know, Luke surprises him at times. And I just, I just love it. Cause you can see Vader almost like kind of growing and like learning throughout that fight. And then there's the whole part where Luke is out on the walkway. He goes like inside and then Vader like comes out of the shadows and is like both hands just full on in attack mode against Luke. And I just love, like, you can tell, like, Luke's overmatched. Like, it may have seemed like a fairly, you know, even fight towards the beginning, but in no way is this an even fight. Like, Vader is toying with him, and he get and Vader gets Luke right to where he wants him, and does Vader executes everything basically perfectly, except for Vader makes the mistake of allowing his emotions for Luke as his son to allow Luke to sneak out onto that ledge and fall off and do something that Vader didn't expect. Like something that Vader wouldn't himself wouldn't have had the strength to do. It's just, it's really, really good. I love that whole scene. Of course you get the classic. I am your father scene that everybody misquotes and it's just, it's an amazing part of the movie. I, I love I've all so I, I because I have been reading a lot of, of Star Wars comics lately, 
And this time through, I love I love that you mentioned that scene because Vader is toying with him, but he's almost like using this as like a lesson. Like, all right, yep, you know, you you are like in all for all intents and purposes, Vader has already adopted the fact that they can turn Luke, and he's like, it's time to learn. Watch this. I want to see what you can do. Uh, I love the imagery they use in that scene because if you notice, Luke, do you know what color his his stuff is that he's wearing what color is it grayish it's gray and it's spattered with with black and lucas was always very intentional about um or you know his everyone there was always intentional about visuals and we kind of get the idea of like okay maybe he is kind of starting to turn you know um I, I love that visual cue and luke is the first one to strike that is a very un-jedi thing to do for luke to lash out first um so Vader's like, oh, okay, and yeah, one-handed, it's like, dude, come on. They're just going back and forth. And and I love how they show how inexperienced Luke is and how he, his training isn't complete. He isn't even close to being a Jedi. For He's just a angry – he's an angry individual with a perception of the Force or a just a, a very, very tip of the iceberg knowledge of the Force and what it can do. And I love how even before we get to that scene – Yoda and Obi-Wan for like a long time. They're like, hey, this is a bad idea. Don't do that. You should not go. And Yoda's like, I love how they, you know, Yoda could have kept him there. Yoda didn't even want to train him though. Yoda's like, Yoda, Yoda might have even seen this in the future. He may have known this was even going to happen or it could have happened. Maybe he, maybe he thought he could change it. I don't know. That's all conjecture. But Everything in that in those moments from Luke to Yoda to Obi-Wan to Vader is so on point with all of their characters and, and where they should be. Because Obi-Wan's like, I can't intervene, I can't do anything. Yoda's not gonna keep him there. Because then what you know, what if that pushes Luke to the dark side even further? And then what is what what happens? We well, we see it all play out. But everything is so intentional, and I just love everything from that whole sequence from him leaving Dagobah. And coming from a good place, but realizing us as the audience, he thinks what he's doing is right. Who does that sound a lot like? Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> no, this is the right thing to do. I should do this. Not realizing that he's playing himself right into the clutches of of the Emperor, basically. Who who knew that this would be the, the best way to go about this or Vader, you know. Vader and the Emperor totally, you know, were working this whole thing out. And, again, subtly showing... Palpatine has everything planned out from 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 square one once they realize who Luke even is. So yeah, I mean, go ahead, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, well, it's interesting you point out uh, something I hadn't thought of um, the uh, uh, the costuming thing because on the other end of the spectrum, Leia was dressed in all white. Um, so it's like he was between Leia and all white, Vader and all black. Yep. I hadn't thought about the gray he was wearing, but that's very it's very interesting. Uh, that's yeah, cool little details. Um, yeah, some other things that I, I just really like. Well, again, little things that suggest thought about character. Um, when he first arrives at Bespin, um, his first instinct when he's sneaking around is to pull his blaster. So even in his own head, he is not a Jedi yet. Uh, or he wouldn't even think of the blaster. He'd just go for the lightsaber. Um, so, yeah, I think that's interesting. It's like they didn't shine a light on it either. They just let you see, oh, okay. So even in his own head, he may think he's ready, but he's not there yet. Um, 
let me look at some of the things I wrote down. It's just little little details that I really liked. Um, <clears throat> you can cut out this pause as I'm reading through. My, no, we're keeping <laughs> it. We we keep all of the data. <laughs> can can I get I my favorite it. scene? While, yeah, while go, we're waiting for. Oh yeah, anything. please give yeah. me a yeah. second to read through this. Yeah, my favorite scene yeah, actually <laughs> is where where we have a much younger Maz Kanata working with the Ugnots down in the machine shop. And one of the droids pushes in a, a parts bin, and sitting on top of it is this hand holding a lightsaber. I, oh wait, that hasn't happened yet, but I, you, I guarantee you it will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree with you, Ethan, and I love that. You know, it was a consistent thing that here that's here. Like, oh yeah, Luke is, has a lot of power and potential, but uh, when he meets someone who's far better trained than him, guess what? Get what happens? He gets his clock cleaned. Um, I wonder where that didn't happen the way it should have. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and in all seriousness, in all seriousness, though, uh, one of my favorite scenes as I've gotten older and on subsequent rewatches, one of the things I really have appreciated is the scene where Luke first meets Yoda, and one because of all the reasons that we understand. We all we when Yoda shows up on screen, we now have seen Yoda in action, and we know what type of person he is, and that colors our impression. But what I have come to appreciate, though is what we're kind of talking about here. Luke's not a Jedi. He desperately wants to be, or at least he thinks he wants to be. And he is supremely confident in his youth and ability. And so when he shows up with Yoda and his interactions with him and R2-D2, they're sparring back and forth and the, the hitting him with the stick. Mine! and everything. It, Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's comical. And you when you're a kid, that's it's just there to laugh at. But I think about in my life, how many times someone older than me has come to me and has tried to tell me something, has tried to give me counsel, has tried to subtly show me a better way. And I've been so supremely wrapped up in my own ability, in my own youthful vigor, <laughs> that I failed to learn the lesson when it was when that opportunity was given. And that's a moment in a movie that yeah, you laugh at it when you're young, but when you get older, you look at it and you're like, wow, you know, it's, I recognize myself in that scene now. And, and so that's something that I have really recently in the last decade or so have come to appreciate about the movie. I, um, I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I've been kind of giving, you know, kind of retorts to each of yours, your all's favorites moments or like moments you like. My favorite thing hands down about this movie and has always, this is the thing that makes it my favorite movie of all time, is the mentorship and relationship between Yoda and Luke Skywalker. The music that swells whenever, because you, we have all had those moments where you're like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, there's no way to do this. Like, there's no possible way to find an outcome to this thing and i think about you know what the x-wing he's like oh it's too big and you know yoda's like you're an idiot you know and he just lifts it up and the music swells i tear up every time because it's beautiful i got to watch it in the theater last year um at the alamo draft house and it was an amazing experience i cried in the theater like it, it's it's a very impressionable scene on me you know and that's my favorite thing about the movie i just wanted to kind of take us there for a second while while you had mentioned it because yeah, like this is the mo one of the most relatable things of all time, and that youth is wasted on the the young, right? You know, like you don't. If only you could go back and change micro decisions that could alter the course of your life. And I, I don't know. I think that there's a there's a lot to be said about the power that even this movie has for sure. But go ahead, Ryan. Well, I think the best lines in all of Star Wars exist in those training scenes. 
Um, they're, they're just, they're beautifully done. And you could tell like whoever wrote those parts of the script and directed was really kind of feeling like the spirit of it. And um, it was just done beautifully. Like even little things when Luke says, I don't believe it. And Yoda says, that's why you fail. It's like, oh yeah. man, that's just right between the eyes, man. Um, yeah. And just, just beautiful things, beautiful moments. Um, it's moments like that, actually, that I was watching this and thinking, you know, uh, I would hope that kids that now are growing up and being introduced to Star Wars get to watch the originals first because they could experience those scenes without the baggage of knowing Yoda's colossal failure in the prequels. Yeah. And they can really appreciate him for really, I think, the extra wisdom he has gained from his failures, even at, what, 800 and some years old when the, the Republic fell. Um, and I, I love. I hope they could experience that Yoda just purely for what it is in this movie because it's just awesome. On the other um, hand, too, well, not to cut you off. I know you no, have more ahead. to say, but like, I think in a way it has meant even more to me now after growing up with the prequels too and watching and being like, it's even it lore, lore wise, it's even more powerful. It's like, wow, yeah, Yoda's literally trying to prevent what is going to happen to Luke. Because he saw what he went through it. He watched uh, Dooku go through it. He watched Qui-Gon go through it. He watched uh, Obi-Wan, in a sense, go through it. You know, it's like there's all... And he's gone through it for X amount of time. So he's seen all of this stuff happen. So it's like you almost kind of don't blame him whenever he doesn't make Luke stay in a way. It's like, yeah, he's seen it all already at this point. And he's gone through it himself. He He knows what is going to happen. And yeah, no, I think it's, 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 it is, it is all right between the eyes. So go ahead. It, yeah. It's interesting also, cause it shows us the seeds of how Luke is supposed to be a better version of what those Jedi were. Um, even, even down to the point where, where Yoda says, you know, once you start, start down the dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny? Well, he believed that and Luke proves him wrong, by by redeeming his father, by expressing and, and putting his money where his mouth is and expressing his belief that his father still had good in him. Now, there are some Sith that, of course, I mean, Palpatine's never going to be redeemed. But the fact that Yoda, even with all the lessons <laughs> he learned, was still dogmatic in that way. And Luke showed that there was a better way. Really showed that he was shaping up to be like what Jedi should have been and, and what the Jedi of the Republic had fallen from. And apparently that only lasted about 15 years. Right. Yeah. And then he lost it too. <laughs> yeah. Don't go, don't go there. <laughs> uh, down a dark path. This will lead us. So I, I, yeah, don't go there. It happened. In, I'm just saying it happened in those expanded universe books. You love so much, but you know, it's okay. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, no, I, I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff there in, in, in the, um, in this in this movie, you know, all pertaining to Yoda, all pertaining to like general lessons in life in general. That's why I say it's like the most relatable Star Wars movie. Not to mention, um, this movie goes by so fast. By the time we leave Hoth, Hoth, we're halfway done. We're halfway through the movie. Because I remember I had started this back I, I, in a way. I've all, Hoth has always been my least favorite. Um, part of the movie. I think it's visually really impressive and it's cool seeing those giant walkers and but at the same time like I've dismantled those in Battlefront 2 so it's like it's not that it's not that impressive to me anymore <laughs> um, but it is it all it is always a cool scene 
the character stuff doesn't happen though in that first half of the movie. The the majority of the character stuff happens after they've left and they've separated. You know, and we kind of see the relationship growing between the team. And we kind of start to realize that this is not a this is not going to end well. They literally telegraph through the entire movie, "Hey, this does not have a happy ending." And if you if you think that there is one, you haven't been paying attention because uh <laughs> The good guy's losing this one, and I think that's a big reason why why this movie is so great is to have that feeling of defeat and not have it be typical is amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just I can't say enough good things about it. So we're about an hour and twenty minutes in, gentlemen. So I think it might be a good time to have some final thoughts. Caleb, go for it. Do your thing. Can I just say one last thing just to try to get a rise out of Ethan Ryan? Oh, I'm just having fun tonight. Oh, Let's go. God. Okay. Let's dance. Uh, I was just gonna say that um, this um, movie, which is incredible, just basically has the same plot device as uh, the Last Jedi in that they can't get into hyperspace. If they could just get into hyperspace, <laughs> all their problems would be gone. But they can't go into hyperspace. Uh, that's good for various reasons. That's good, Caleb. Touche. I well, touche. And, and so the difference between those two movies proves that what really matters is not the idea; it's the execution. Boom. And that's and that's a good point. That's a really really yeah. good point. <laughs> yeah, I think I think there's though the the, the, do, the thing that I love about this group in general is you know who hates the sequels. Yet I've never heard either one or any uh, any of the people. The, the people I cannot stand are the people that have nothing good to say. And that's just unfair because there are good things to say about all three of those movies. And I, I will fight you on all on, on the Canto on that Bite. <laughs> Canto Bite is the, is the most interesting place in Star Wars history ever. But the people are like, no, nothing's good about those movies. You're wrong. I'm sorry. Like that, you can you can find you can find something good to say about all three of those movies. So, either way, Empire is the equalizer for all of us Star Wars fans. It is the cornerstone, as Ethan put it earlier in the show, and I think we can agree hey, it's it's the best it, one. It gave us it ge- this movie gave us my favorite '90s nerd rock band, Nerf Herder. I mean, oh. that's that's where they got their name. I so, will. There you go. I, I, I will say one thing I love about this movie is I love how good the dialogue all is or dialogue all is. And it's just so natural. And there's so much just comebacks and name calling throughout the entire movie. <laughs> yeah. It's so fantastic. I love it so much. The uh, It's funny you, you call it the hyperdrive stuff because there's one of those hyperdrive failures that leads to a moment that I love. It's, uh, you know, when they take off from, from Bespin and Vader's like, hey, did you did you deactivate the hyperdrive? And the officer's like, yes. And then they immediately <laughs> jump to hyperspace. The look on his face is like, crap. I'm yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> uh, I also, yeah. another, just another little thing. I love seeing Vader off the leash in this. Pull- like un- in, in the New Hope, he's under Tarkin's thumb the whole movie. And now that Tarkin's dead, it's just Vader just murking anybody that like does something even remotely wrong it's, even over a phone it's call. crazy like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> imagine if you had that power on zoom wow yeah <laughs> i told you to turn off your mute <laughs> oh my god someone should reenact that that'd be that would that would do really well like make it like the hologram style that'd be rad yeah uh, i i have always found that um to be interesting as well caleb with vader and there's so many vader comics with so many cool 
cool things about Vader, but there's also so many cool things about Anakin in those comics. And that is one thing that I wish we had uh, in this original trilogy, and I guess we do get it in Return of the Jedi. I wish we had... I guess if you had more inklings of Anakin, like it'd probably be too much. Um, obviously, we do have a little bit at the end of the at the end of the of this movie. Um, I, I do think that there are a lot of times where you could you could argue that Vader's turn may not feel earned or deserved or redeemed or whatever because he does feel pretty robotic throughout all three of these movies. I was gonna say you you almost. I'm thankful that they did not do prequels before this movie because this is Anakin's darkest moment. Yeah. This is where he has he is furthest from Anakin. Yeah. At this point. And so really you don't want to see any anything, any hint of it, certainly not in this movie. Yeah. You you get it at the very end yeah. of return. And while some people argue, well, it was quick, well, fine. That's what it's what you yeah. had to have. And I I mean we do get moments like that in Rebels, or at least one or two moments like that in Rebels, which is cool. And I think that adds to the coolness of these movies for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I do think there. If I had one criticism, I do think having Vader feel so robotic in this movie most of the time, and like yeah, like he's off <laughs> he's off the leash, like he's just doing his thing. Um, who knows what he did off, off screen? Good God, uh, I it's hard for me to relate to him and I maybe you're not supposed to I don't know um but I, it does feel a little on the nose whenever he's like you know join me and do this thing it's like okay uh that was crazy like that was mind-blowing that was insane and now I'm left with like a lot of this stuff to unpack by the end of the movie so it's just like a super super duper small nitpick you know I'm tr- and, and it comes from trying to place myself in that time period and be like now what wait a minute like are you serious oh, okay I, I buy it cool you know makes sense well, I think you're supposed to feel what Luke felt, which is absolute utter horror at the thought. Yeah. And so I think in Vader, shock. yeah, in shock. And I think Vader had to feel inhuman in order for for that horror and shock to um, yeah. to really land uh, and to be yeah magnified. to to see yeah to see this guy that's been choking people just throughout the whole movie <laughs> and it's like that's our protagonist's father and having that just like hammer dropped on you i can't imagine being and going to the theater and seeing that and having that twist revealed like it's one of the things i wish i could go back and relive that and i didn't have that knowledge because it's it's so good it's it's such a well set up little a twist it's it's fantastic i wish i was able to grow up not knowing you know because it was like Every I, I don't remember not knowing that Vader wasn't Luke's father. I don't remember the, the moment where I had that realization of like, oh, so it's hard for me to shove that aside. So, you know, it's it's kind of a curse in a way. But, yeah, I mean, I get what you guys are saying. Like having him feel inhuman to- makes total sense. So criticism refuted. 10, 11 <laughs> out of 10. 11 out of 10, gentlemen. There's Have you a ever seen? From, uh, sorry, go, go ahead, Gabe. No, no, you go, you go. There's a moment from a, a comic I think I have the pages somewhere. If I if I do, I'll send them to you, or if I can find them. Um, I don't know what series it was, but it basically, you get to see Vader at the moment where he's on his Star Destroyer. He's kind of looking out the window at space, and an officer comes up, and re- it's sort of the aftermath of the first Death Star being destroyed. Um, and he reveals to Vader the knowledge we've, we've tracked down and figured out the rebel pilot um, who destroyed uh, the Death Star, 
all we have found about him is his last name, Skywalker. And there's a, a mo. It's it's a beautiful moment, just using a lot of quiet and negative space where Vader just he's talking to himself and he just says, "I have a son." And in the next frame, all of the glass of the window has spider webbed. <laughs> um, it, it, it was just beautifully powerful. There was no way you could put that in these movies. It just doesn't fit. But as as a side thing, I That's thought it was cool. just beautiful. Beautifully yeah. done. Shout out to comics, dude. I freaking love comics so much. Like, And I'll also give a shout out to Shadows of the Empire, the middle book that bridges the time between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Excellent book for a lot of these moments that we're talking about. Gives you a lot more darker insight into Vader's mental state, knowing that Luke is out there and what he's got to do to maneuver things to keep Palpatine at bay and bring him into the fold. And it's just, yeah, that, that was a great book, a standalone book. Is that a graphic novel? No, no, it's a novel. Well, there's a graphic novelization of it as well. So. Oh, that, that is and, true. And a game that is based true. On it too. Yeah, there was a game too. Yeah, wasn't that but, like a whole like series of things that they did? Like, it was a whole not project. a series. It was just a one-off novel. A lot of things sprung from it because it it was very popular. But it was I don't know that Lucas ever gave his blessing to say that it, this was truly canon. But fans of the time in the middle '90s truly did accept this novel as this is what happened between the two movies, the last two movies of, of the trilogy. And I remember game, being caught up in the, the hype of that time and consuming the, the video game and the, uh, you know, and the, uh, yeah, just all the hype that went around. It was, it was great. I had the, I had the, the soundtrack. They came out with an, a soundtrack that kept to a lot of the beats of the book. And uh, yeah, it was quite enjoyable. So shadow shadows of the empire. The game is, it's based off the book. Yes. Buying it. <laughs> I think I think um, there's a YouTube channel and they do a podcast too. But I think it's Mister Sunday Movies, and I think he has like a whole like video that's all about Shadow of the Empire. I think that's where In I've fact, heard of it I before. Have. Somewhere up here, I've got a I've got the the ship from Shadows of the Empire. It looks like the uh, it's. It's the YT two thousand. Yeah, it's a Corellian freighter. Yeah, right? yeah, it's Corellian yeah. freighter, like in the same vein as the the YT thirteen hundred, and uh, yeah, that was that was the Outrider was the name of of the uh, the pirates, uh, YT two thousand from Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, boom. I'm gonna have to check that out sometime because I've all, I've only heard good things from people that have, you know, I guess read that and delved into that content. So I'll have to check that out for sure, gentlemen. It's been an hour and a half. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I think this is one of my favorite podcasts I've done in a long time. I look forward to podcasting with uh, this group. Um, you know, it, 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 is, it does make me sad. Uh, you know, we are officially concluding our review of, you know, The Empire Strikes Back. So there you have it. But it does make me kind of sad thinking that, you know, some part of the original crew isn't sticking around for a more regular basis. But I'm hopeful for the future. Um, and the fate of this particular project, uh, obviously Ethan, we're super happy to have you, um, signing on more often. It's been a lot of fun and Ryan, I've, I've really appreciated you. I thought for sure you would, uh, you know, I thought for sure you would leave at some point. I thought you would leave me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's been a lot of fun to continue to podcast with you and Caleb. Let's be real. You're not going anywhere. And I, if you do, I would understand, you know, so <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So Gentlemen, it's been a lot of fun. 
uh, go ahead and plug all the stuff. And I mean all of it. So, Caleb, um, is there anything that you would like to plug that we should be aware of? Yeah, just uh, you can find me on Twitter at ChiefNY18. Okay. Ethan? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan Maestri. Also check out at Andromeda Pod. That's our Twitter feed for the Drive Back the Night podcast with uh, Ryan Mazzocco and I where we review episodes of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda uh, episode by episode. So you can find me there. And Ryan? Uh, at Ryan Dalton on Instagram. I, Ryan Dalton on Twitter, uh, wherever your favorite books are sold. And uh, second plug for this last adventure, which... Uh, goes live for pre-orders uh, everywhere, but uh, if you can order from a uh, an indie store, much appreciated. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta ask mm-hmm. because I haven't asked yet, and I want to know: is this part of the time trilogy or the the, the no no? Compl- this is a different different project, completely standalone, separate, uh, its own thing. Yeah, Diff- okay, different, wildly different genre and all of that. Yeah. Um, so have I ever talked about what it's about? I'll just, I'll give you like the 10 second elevator pitch. Um, it's, it's aged a little younger, so it's a middle grade book. So it's, it's middle school. Um, it's uh, about a, uh, a boy, 13 year old boy, whose grandfather is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Uh, and so the boy tries to use storytelling to save his grandfather's memories. Uh, so that is, uh, that's what it's about. Am I going to be tearing up if I read this? Well, People have teared up, uh, and I'll say this: I, I, I very purposely did not want to write um, a, a depressing book. So, are there sad? So, ter- it's not Steel Magnolias. No. Or anything so, like that. Uh, okay. All right. Here. Is it a sad, tragic book? No. Uh, I wouldn't want to write that kind of thing. But yeah, there kind of has to be sad moments when that's the subject. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I didn't want to write something that was just like dark and you feel blah at the end. Um, uh, but yeah, that should that'll be available. Like I said, eleven one. If you know money is tight and you uh, and, and you know you can't pre-order it, totally understand. What's even what's helpful as well? Uh, request it from your library. Uh, and if libraries get requests to stock certain books, then they'll buy the books and stock them. Uh, and that that also helps authors. So um, you could uh, yeah, if you want to support an author, you could do it without spending a dime. Um, that's it for me. There you have it. Good thing you have a podcast where we can like literally have you on to talk about it <laughs> after it's come out, after we've read it, we can tell you what we thought of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to that greatly, honestly, uh, having a professional creator. I mean, that's really when you boil it down, that's literally what Ryan is doing. He is bringing his passions to life professionally, uh, which is, I think, something that in a sense we have all at one time or another said like, man, that'd be awesome if I could do that. Like for me personally, it's content creation. Like I've been able to start a business based off the work I've done, which is great, but to make money off of something that I made playing a video game, that would be amazing someday. I'll work toward it. I'll earn it. It's nice to have somebody who has earned that position. So I greatly look forward to seeing, you know, you excited about your project, this creation of yours coming to life uh, I greatly look forward to having you on to talk about it, hopefully with a full panel of people who have read it. Um, and yeah, it'll be, it'll be super exciting. We're super happy for you, man, for sure. I appreciate so. that. Really do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm trying while we're on the subject of authors, I'm trying to get, you know, convince one guy Mace to become a wannabe. How rad would that be? <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> I think he's enjoying uh, coming on the podcast a little more than he wants to admit. 
Um, but, uh, you know, cause it was just, this whole thing was very, he told me, he's like, yeah, man, I'll come on, you know, cause it's not your thing. And I want to support that. I'm like, cool. But I think he's enjoyed it quite a bit. So we'll see what happens, but definitely be on the lookout for our skyfall, uh, review as that, as we record that, I think in a couple weeks, right. Um, next week we will be hitting return of the Jedi. So, um, not sure who we're going to have on that free for, for that yet. Unless Ethan says he's down right now, you know, well, Ethan will be on vacation. So yeah, he, he'll be out. So we'll have to find someone else. Probably Aaron McCoy. That might be a good one for Aaron McCoy to be on for sure. But yeah, be definitely be on the lookout for our various content we have coming over in this space. Um, you can follow me over at the wannabe critic. Uh, I'm very loud and proud about what I do. And, um, very passionate about the content I create. I do a lot of different stuff. The uh, one thing I wanted to give a shout out to my music channel has been like popping off recently uh, where I do music reactions. Um, the highest numbers, highest volume numbers I've ever seen um, content wise. So you can go check that out over at wannabe music reviews. I have a couple re reactions coming out to uh, a band called Ginger. Uh, le uh, metal female vocalist <laughs> and just kind of blows your mind a little bit with what she can do with her voice kind of crazy so you can be stay tuned for those and I'm excited to see where that project goes as well so lots of positive things all around and I don't want to put Caleb on the spot because I don't know if he wants to be put on the spot but Caleb do you have anything that you want to talk about content wise not at the moment not at the moment okay I didn't know I wasn't sure I've been. I've, I wasn't sure yet. So okay, put on the spot. No big deal. Hey, since he couldn't make it to the quantum of solace, I just wanted to say, Caleb, you came up in that conversation anyway. I did. Yeah, your nickname is now Strawberry Fields. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There you have it. Sorry, Caleb. I'm Wait, actually... is that that chick's name? Is her name Strawberry Fields? <laughs> yeah. in That movie. Oh my god. No wonder I hate James it. Bond thing. <laughs> oh <ever>. come on. <laughs> wow. Oh. You guys are no fun. Daniel oh Craig's supposed god. to be better than that. <laughs> oh my god. She's like, well, he's like, what's your name? Strawberry. Man, that was a. She oh, was yeah. a hard <laughs> rebound for him. Yeah, poor guy. Hard rebound. Poor he guy. should have oh. stood up and walked away as soon as she said Strawberry Fields. Yeah, that would have been funny. Who names their kids Strawberry Fields? Like, no, that is danger. <laughs> so, no, good times. Well, gentlemen, this was a lot of fun. Thank you for uh, showing up and participating as usual. It was a blast. And uh, until next time, say goodbye. Bye. Adios. Well, whatever possessed you to check out any of the content that you saw today, I just want to say thank you so much for doing so. If you check the description down below, you'll see that there's a variety of different projects that I'm associated with. This is Wannabe Critic Productions after all. So I just wanted to say if you enjoyed what you saw today, consider giving some of those other projects a chance as well. There's a lot of stuff that uh, I'm a part of that I, you know, that, that I do. If you were here for me or for someone else that you saw today, um, again, just thank you for checking it out and uh, I hope to see you again. But until next time, I'm Gabriel Fast and I'll always be the wannabe critic.